0: Hey, Fungo Banner fans, back with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I am Eric Sorensen, about to be joined by Jason and Kelly here for another episode. Guys, we are so excited to bring on Hannah Hughesman, the mental performance coach of the Philadelphia Phillies. Guys, this is a dynamite episode. That Make sure you get to a spot, get on your mower, go mow that field. There's a lot of great information and a lot of stuff to break down here. Super excited to have her on, and thank you so much. Please get on, check out our sponsors. Devo Bats, guys, the fungos are phenomenal. The bats are even better. They're great. Get online, check them out, give them a call. Really great company to work with. Safeguard out of the Tri-Cities, our swag is awesome. We will be putting online for sale here soon. Keep a look on Facebook and Twitter. And a shout out for the silhouette hats and the silhouette shirts. Shirtworks here in Allensburg did a great job on it. Guys, we're excited to get this stuff out to you. Let us know if you want some. We'll have a website going up here soon. Well, that's enough for me. Let's bring on Hannah. Well, Fungo Banner fans, we're back with our guest this week, Hannah Huseman, the mental performance coach for the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Hannah, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So the first question we ask right away, what's your favorite fungo? My f-
1: favorite fungo? Yeah.
0: Do you ever have fungo? Your favorite bat you might have used along the way?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I obviously don't hit fungo with our team, uh, with my role. Um, <laughs> right. I, that would be pretty interesting, though, if that did happen. Mm-hmm. I probably could. Um Oh gosh, I don't even know. It's been a long time. Um, it was yellow and black metal Easton. Okay. It was was a champ. Everybody on my team fought for it when I played softball. (laughs) And it was like, you would literally have an at bat and then the next person would just take that same at bat.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So we always like people get on and talk about their path and where they are now. So, you know, talk about where you started and, and what guy you ended up with the Phillies today.
1: Um yeah so I guess short story um or long story short I am born and raised in Nashville played sports my whole life played softball and basketball um went to the University of Tennessee Chattanooga in Chattanooga Tennessee and um played actually played basketball my freshman year switched sports finished playing softball my sophomore junior senior year Um, and like, because I was around sports my whole life, I knew that this was something I wanted to do. Like, this is what I'm best at. This is what I'm most passionate about. And that's all I wanted to do. And so I just didn't know to what capacity. Um, and so really started exploring some ideas, like dabbled in coaching, dabbled in strength and conditioning, and nothing was just like, yes, 100%, this is where you belong. And my mom actually has her master's in clinical psychology. And she was like, you know, you've always been person to give advice and, and all that and to like walk your friends through stuff. And, and I was like, I'm not, I, I am just not passionate about like dealing with like just normal people. Like <laughs> I have to be involved in sports. And so come to find out, um, my undergrad had an elective class called sports psychology. And so my senior year, I took a sports psych class and was like, what in the heck is this? Why have I never heard of this? And like, why aren't we doing this? And so from about that point on, I dove in headfirst and threw myself into it and wanted to learn everything I possibly could about it. It was a little too late for my career because I definitely wasn't going pro in softball, um, but like most of us, Um, but I ended up going and getting my master's degree in sports psychology and motor behavior, which is a really fancy way of, of talking about how the mind and the body work together to produce optimal performance. And so that's kind of what I get to do all day, every day. And specifically now, um, I'm on year three with the Phillies, um, if we consider this a year because of all the insanity we've been going through. Um, but I actually did my first internship with the Pittsburgh Pirates, so it's not my first um, dabble in professional baseball. And I actually spent some time in New York. Um, I was there for about a year and a half working for a private practice. So it's kind of taken me everywhere, but realized that right now, um, it's definitely sports that I need to be in. And it's awesome and so fun, to be working with guys who are so motivated and push themselves physically to the limit every day and, and making sure that they're doing the same on the mental aspect of the game. So that's what I get to do. Well,
0: I feel like even, you know, it, most importantly now, because even in our day-to-day life, if it wasn't for the mental skills that we learned while we were playing baseball, that it would have been hard to get through some of the daily struggles we go through in this quarantine. So it's like your position right now has got to be so crucial to the mental health of everybody. And, and it's just so crucial.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hasn't been a slow time for my job. I'll say that. Um, but no, it's, it is. And, and, you know, we're not, you know, we're not throwing down mental skills into people's throats right now. It's more just like overall well being and how are you and how are you dealing with all of these things that are outside of our controls and the unknowns and, you know, not letting anxiety and stress win. And it's, it's definitely a new heightened challenge that we aren't prepared to deal with and they aren't prepared to deal with. And so just really trying to walk alongside them and, and support them in whatever way we can. And sometimes that's just a conversation because we're all in our own home talking to the same people all day, every day. And so it's kind of nice to interact with other people and, and feel supported by other people. So that's, that's definitely our number one goal right now.
2: Anna, talk about your job with, the, with the Phillies there and, and, and kind of the stuff that, that you work on on a day to day basis, you know, where you start in the uh, probably spring training or even extended uh, fall and stuff like that. Um, is it more of a group dynamic where you introduce things? Is it working on a case by case basis? Um, talk, just talk us through that kind of day in the life for you when when you get started in different parts of the season.
1: Yeah. So a day in the life is different every day in the life. Um, that's one of the most difficult questions I get asked (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know what my day looks like until I show up and then determine what it looks like. But Um, majority of my work is one-on-one sessions, um, and, and really trying to develop a personal mental performance plan for each player. Um, because, um, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about, you know, well, what about the human factor in this? You know, they were talking about something, they were like the human factor. And I thought about that in my job and I'm like, a hundred percent of my job is the human factor. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that nobody can figure out and like, that's not measurable and all of these things. And, and so it's like, that's what I get to do. I get to figure out who you are, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, and sometimes that's even different on the field and off the field like maybe who you are off the field is not who you are on the field which isn't wrong it's not it's and and so it's like maybe you aren't even aware of that so a lot of what I do is build self-awareness and teach self-evaluation and try to create like their own strength and being able to do that themselves instead of you know rely on someone else to do it for them Um, but so it's mostly one-on-ones and then your occasional group work and and the group workshops can be anywhere from a whole team, Um, sometimes like in spring training, it's crazy because everybody's in one place at one time. And Mm -hmm. so the groups are like 50 and up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are a little tougher. And we try to make those as fun as possible because those are some long days. Um, But it's usually by position, by team. So you're usually talking like 10-ish guys, 15-ish guys in a group meeting. But we kind of talk about a general idea, introduce it, and then maybe hopefully that produces one-on-one conversations afterwards to really dissect how that works for that specific person. Um, and then I think a big piece that people don't usually think about is we um, help support the coaches too and like have the same conversations of how can we make the coach better? How can we take stress off of them? How can they manage their family time and their work time because they are away from their family so much. So it's, um, it's never ending, but it's it's majority one-on-one conversation. So like probably 80, 85% of my job is one-on-one conversations.
0: That's a, I would never have thought about that aspect of, and I'd be like, it's a good point because coaches need it just as much as players, but having to make sure the coaches are on board with yeah, the mental for sure. game.
1: And, and one, of, I mean, if you talk to anybody who's been in the field, like to have the coach on your side is, is a huge plus. Um, if mm-hmm. they're, if they're preaching the same things you are like, then that's like, okay, he thinks it's important. She thinks it's important now, right? We have some female coaches getting out there and doing awesome stuff. Um, and, and if they make it a priority, then we are too. And so that's, That's definitely a huge part um, in definitely in my practice and how I go about it. So I always want to keep that door open and have those conversations with the coaches just as much as, as with the players. And, and plus sometimes you hear different stories, right? The players thinks it's going one way and the coach thinks it's going another. And so it sometimes can provide us with a really cool, um, atmosphere to bring that together and like solve something mm. that maybe neither one of them knew was the other one was thinking and so it mm. it obviously there's a ton of confidentiality but if they're both willing to talk we can provide that space to to make that happen and that's that's one of the cool things too that that you can kind of see and we're kind of in the back just like watching it all happen <laughs> so
3: it's cool you know hannah that's so true you know you, you do have a dip sometimes with players and coaches you do have somewhat of a mis disconnect at times you know there's an idea that a coach wants and there's another idea of a player wants and of course when you get into the younger group you got the the parent that and that has one expectation too so you have like all those unnecessary stresses and so I want to ask you what what do you think is the biggest piece that coaches miss out and being able to motivate their players
1: Ooh, what is the biggest piece where I think they could motivate their players how, how they yeah. could do a better job yeah um, well, both speaking from personal experiences and, um, what I've seen among my players and, and it's funny because when, when you asked that question, I went straight to, well, what do players need most that they're not getting and that I'm telling them to produce for themselves, right? Because like, you're not going to get it anywhere else, like, or, or maybe you will, but you might not get it when you need it the most is confidence, right? Because As much as you want to look for confidence from other people, validation from your mom or your dad or your coach or a teammate or your best friend or your significant other, right? Sometimes, most of the time, right? They don't know how to do that for you and exactly what you need to hear and when you need to hear it, right? And the only person who does know that is you. And so I'm constantly telling players, like, if you want to be this big, bad, confident bulldog on the mound, right? You have to create that for yourself. Like we have to find a way that it's instilled in you that you can pull that up whenever you need to pull it up instead of looking for it. And so on the opposite side of that, I like, and am curious when I ask coaches, like, do you feel like you are adding stress to this player? Or do you feel like you're adding confidence to this player? You know, because most situations are like, well, I hope I'm adding confidence. And I'm like, that's, that's a great, like, again, going back to the very first thing I said was like creating awareness and self self self-evaluation. Right. And self-reflection is like, what are you actually doing? Like, You think you're doing these things, but are you? And I think that's sometimes hard to look in the mirror and, and realize I could be doing this a little bit better, but, and, and maybe even taking it a step further is instilling confidence in the things that they can control. Right. So not just like congrats on a home run. Like now I'm proud of you go hit another one. Right. Versus like, Hey, great effort out there. Or you struck out the last time you've got to hit this time. I noticed that like you bounce back instead of congratulating them on the hit, congratulate them on the bounce back. Right. And, and build their confidence in their resiliency versus in their outcomes. So really trying to, I think, I think that's, that would be my answer to that question. is not just helping them build confidence, but helping them build confidence in the things that they absolutely have control over.
2: And a I idea driven deal with this. And I think confidence we've talked about in some other podcasts we've had is is how hard it is to build confidence in, in us coaching teams to um, without success or winning, you know, or winning or, or, or having good numbers or, Hosting a good outing, um, staying process oriented and everything that guys are doing. Um, I know we preach a lot about finding something positive out of every performance. you know there's obviously something you can take away from that. Um, but but talk about that balance of of a guy's really struggling. his process might be awesome, but um, he's having tough luck that that occurs in baseball a lot. and how do you kind of overcome that when when someone's really struggling from a, a result standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I love that question, because it is very prominent in baseball, right? You can be doing everything right and not get the results you want, or fail, Mm -hmm. or strike out, or whatever it is. Um, And so um, you guys know what the Twitter definition of insanity is? I don't know if it's the actual definition of insanity, but like what Twitter has made the definition (laughs) of insanity? Do you guys know what it is? I think so. Like it's basically like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And you're like, yeah, that's insane. And I'm like, yeah, that's baseball. Right. Like, (laughs) because if you're doing everything right and like 10 times out of 10, like you're going to get a different result. Like you're not Mm -hmm. always going to do what you want to do and get the same result. But if what you're doing is working and it works three out of 10 times, we're not going to change it. Like you are going to do the same thing and you are going to expect different results next at bat, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to hit another line drive, but instead it's going to miss the shortstop's glove by two inches instead of him make this miraculous ESPN top 10 catch, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, if your process is right, and, and that's the hardest part, right? Because it's so easy to get locked in on your outcomes. And well, I struck out, well, I went out 4 today. Yeah, but look at the things that were working and look where you came from. And, and usually, you know, if you ask a player, would you rather go, three for four and like have horrible mechanics but hey you have outcomes or go for four and have solid mechanics and have a great game the next day like it's very tempting to be like well I really want that three for four <laughs> you know but the the mm-hmm. solid the great no like that's temporary and that's not gonna last and that's not gonna get me to the big leagues if I'm not there and so it, I think it I think it's helping them see the bigger picture of Yes, it may not have worked today, but it will work. Everyone's telling you it's going to work. Like you just have to keep chopping and eventually the tree's going to fall. That's that's something I say all the time is, you know, if you have an ax and you go out to the forest and you start chopping down a tree, you're not exactly sure when the tree is going to fall, right? But, you know, eventually if you keep chopping, at some point it's going to fall. And so it's just, it's like no to the ground. Like, and I know this is insane and I know it's driving you crazy, but I'm asking you to stay true to this process and see what happens. And then, you know, if it's a long extended amount of time and nothing's happening, then maybe our process needs to be adjusted a little bit. Um, but that's definitely something I challenge them with for sure.
0: I know like for Jason and I were high school coaches, right? And so we try to teach our kids this and they're, it might be the first time they're introduced to this mentality of how to do things. And they look at you like, no, <laughs> like that's terrible coach. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's, if you guys truly buy into this and I know it's, it was so rewarding for me when kids did do that and they bought in and by the time, you know, our, our season's so short, three months later, the, We're in the playoff game and they they are buying into this whole concept of the mental game of baseball. It's just so awesome to see it when they buy in and go.
1: Well, and I think I think the underlying meaning of that, right, is you were trying to be proactive about it. So let's talk about this before things actually happen. Mm -hmm. That way, when things do happen, you're ready and you're prepared and you're bought in and you have the tools you need to get you through whatever that is, right? Instead of like, let's pretend like everything's fine and everything's gonna work out. And then when it doesn't end up working out and it doesn't work out for two months, right? And you're like in a deep slump, then it's not necessarily too late, but it's dang close to too late, right? It's like, we don't have that much time. You're gonna be making huge adjustments and like, it just doesn't happen that fast. Just like physical adjustments don't happen that fast. Just like you don't get strong overnight. You don't become the fastest player overnight or the best pitcher overnight. You don't become the most mentally tough player overnight either. And that that doesn't just happen. And so I think that's one of the things that's hard is when people aren't failing, they think, oh, we're good. We don't need to talk about the mental game. And it's like, okay, well, if you're playing baseball, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to fail and you're going to get home runs hit off of you and you're going to strike out a lot. And so, but if you're good with it, like you just come talk. And so you can't force mental skills on people either. Um, It could do more damage than good when you try to force it, but that's a, a proactive versus a reactive approach. I think is huge in mental performance.
0: That's, that's another thing I've taught. Cause I, I've tried to tell the kids like, Hey, you know, we're teaching this stuff, but don't think that we don't fail at it, but we, we got to keep working at it. And I think Absolutely. that's a, that's a problem in some of the society of today's, well, it's not working. So we're just going to quit on it. But if you keep doing it, <laughs> like you were saying, it's.
1: Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, well, what about this? And I'm like, you started this yesterday like we're not making adjustments yet like i'm sorry you didn't like how it worked at first try it for another week at least and then let's have a follow-up conversation but you're right we're in a world where we want it now you have instant food you have instant gratification you have instant all of these things and the reality of it is like if it's worth it it won't be instant how about that right like the good healthy meals take longer to cook right they're a little bit more expensive right um, the workouts, the regimens, the the fat lace, like lose this much weight this fast, right? It's not worth it. You gain it back. Like anything worthwhile takes time. And that doesn't change in mental performance or, or, or baseball for sure.
3: You know, Hannah, I had an opportunity to teach, uh, coach my daughter's uh, AU basketball team this winter. And that was the thing is like, you know, I told the girls, I said, you guys want to be good. We have to be good with our shot. And so before every practice, we'd go through the the set load and and follow through and my daughter came home one day and she's like dad i just don't have the strength to get the shot up the right way it's easier to push the ball to the hoop you know and and so i said but maddie if you're gonna get it to do it right this is where you're gonna pay off down the road and uh she she fought me on it right you know it's like i want to i can shoot it this way dad and she would show me at practice and i said no we do it right and actually this summer we talked and she went out to we have a basketball hoop on next to the house and little court and she went out there and she's got it down, you know, and she's got her follow through and she's doing it. Correct. And I said, look, it just takes time. And that's the thing is like, that's when you look back and you go, Oh, okay. I get it. You know, but we just, that's the thing is like that instant gratification that every kid wants. We get that. And I think that's, I mean, even in coaching too, I think coaches, we instantly step into a position like a head coach and job I and mean, we just want to win championships. Yeah. And we all do. But there's a process that takes time in building those relationships and, and building that up, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I think, I think the first part of that is the scariest, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but this is working, even though I know I should do that. I know the big girls are doing that. I know professional athletes are doing that, but it's scary. And like, I'm kind of successful with this, so why would I do that, right? And so I think getting through that first step and that willingness, one, you kind of have to accept that like, I could be better, which a lot of people, like, that's the hardest step to get over. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm pretty confident. Like, no, dad, this two-handed push works well for me, Mm -hmm. right? You almost have to accept that I could be better. And that's really hard for people to realize that's self-evaluation. That's self-reflection and seeing like, okay, I have to accept this and have the courage to admit that I can be better. And that's scary. And then you're going to fail at it at first, which is even Mm -hmm. scarier. And so I think that's like we know that, right? It's not going to be as smooth as you want at first, but like that deep actual effect on human beings who want to be good at everything and like want, like that is incredibly challenging. So if you can get over accepting that there may be a better way and that you can be better and also enduring that scary failure, not good at it part, and then it's going to be worth it. But those two humps are, are big humps. Those aren't just little hills. Those are mountains that you got cross. <laughs> and, and I think that's what sometimes gets overlooked and why people aren't willing to do it a lot of times.
2: Hey, Banner fans, this is Brian Green, head baseball coach with Washington State University, and you are listening to the Pacific Northwest
0: Fungo Banner Podcast. Go Cougs! So we're going to head into the 17th stretch part of the podcast. And, and one of the things, we've had a couple of other people that are in professional baseball, and, and the similarities of the personalities and who the people are, they're just a lot better at baseball, and they have a lot more money than we do, right? So <laughs> going into those days... And what are some of the unnecessary stresses that you feel like people, I mean, even outside of pro ball or inside it, but the stresses that we put on ourselves that affect our performances on the field.
1: Um, fast answer is all of the things that you can control, right? Like without a doubt, because if you think about the game of baseball, if you think about the game of life, most mm-hmm. things that we stress about, we cannot control. So that is completely wasted time, wasted energy, wasted effort. If we're too busy getting worked up, getting mad, getting disappointed, fighting people, whatever it is, fighting over things that we can't even control. And so if you're going, if you want to spend that much time and effort on something, make sure it's on something you can actually do something about, right? Like your job isn't to necessarily get a hit. Your job is to do everything in your power to get a hit. And sometimes you'll get a hit and sometimes you won't, right? And that's okay. And the best of the best hit three times out of 10, like, and so I think it's, it's really if you're willing to put that much energy and effort on the things you can't control, let's really try to work on giving all of your effort to the things you can control. Because if you do that, chances are you're going to be in a pretty good position. If you can channel all of your energy and all of your effort onto the things that you can actually do something about, then chances are you're you're going to be in a better place. But it's it's when you waste all that energy on, on something that's already happened or something that hasn't happened yet, and you're not right here in this present moment, that's when you get you get really in your own head and, and you end up failing and it's probably not because of your ability, but it's probably because you got in your own way, which is one of the worst ways to fail.
2: Man, yeah, I think we see it a lot of times with with the players that have struggled in the past and, and we had a particular pitcher on our team that had some struggles and some stuff that he did in every outing. It seemed like anything that didn't go right, he'd revert back to the negative events that happened in the past, right? And, and we talk a lot about you know, focal points and stuff like that, and having some positive things to be able to draw to um, when you're in a moment of stress and in a moment of of stuff where you can't control what the umpire's calling, or you know, the the hitter has done good in the day, whatever it might be. But but how do you how do you I guess get players to really draw back on those positive moments and, and places of success to take that negative thought out of their head and and, and do it into a positive, you know, visualizing keep it small, keep it simple, and then execute right away?
1: Yeah, so um, a couple things come to mind, and the first one is, just like you're yourself's biggest critic, right? Like, if you're an elite level athlete, like, you're absolutely your biggest critic. You have to be your biggest fan, too. So this starts way before that moment, right? This starts in being able to be aware of all the things you do well and all the things you need to improve on, right? If you're constantly looking, which most elite level athletes are constantly looking for ways to get better you may miss the things you're already doing well and you may get burnt out because you're trying to strive for this perfect version of you that doesn't exist that will literally never exist and so i think a big piece of it is making sure like are you able to step back and pat yourself on the back right you don't have to be the rowdy guy in the clubhouse right waving a shirt around but like at the end of the day like you're getting ready for bed you're brushing your teeth and you look yourself in the mirror and you're like heck of a job today like solid work you know like can you even do that? And a lot of them are like, mm. and I'm like, I know, right? Like, that's a weird feeling because you've been driven into your head. Like, you could always be better. And mm-hmm. I think that goes back mm-hmm. to, like, what we were talking about earlier is, like, it starts with, like, coaches and family instilling in them that it's OK to be like, heck, yes, good job today. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. You know, like, the dreaded car rides home with dad that everybody kind of jokes about now. Like, that's so true. Um, what was I going to say? The second thing, um, hold on. I lost my train of thought. Dang it. I can't remember. It'll come back to me though. Um, it'll come back to me.
2: What What are some of those specific tools that you might give to an individual? And I mentioned vocal points there or, or routines stuff on the field. I mean, I know everyone needs the routines off the field and stuff, but the baseball specific side of a routine and building that consistency for a player.
1: Yeah, so as far as routines go, like we have a pre-pitch routine, we have a during-pitch routine, and we have a post-pitch routine. So, And that's for offense and defense. That's for the hitter, that's for the pitcher, that's for the fielder, that's for the guy on deck, that's for the guys in the dugout. Um, And so I think routines are incredibly important. Um, I think the reason they're so important is because a routine is your body messaging your brain that everything, nothing's changed right? That, that whether you're, it's your first at bat of the day and it's a brand new day, or it's your last at bat and you've been over four, you're doing the same thing. Or whether it's the first game of the season or the last game in the world series, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. all the pressure's on your body is going to need to do the same thing every single time to message your brain that it's just another at bat, right? It literally is just another at bat, regardless of all the outside circumstances that you can't control happening, right? Whether the the ums are screwing you or whatever's going on. Um, and I think, that takes a lot of practice. And, and if there's one thing I would want you to take away about routines, it's you want to make every single one of them almost as exact same as possible. Like if somebody drills a home run off of you and you strike somebody out, I hope your pre-pitch or post-pitch routine is identical on both of those. Because again, you're resetting, you're, you're recalibrating your brain to like, okay, it's another at-bat it's another hitter. It's a new at bat. It's Oh, Oh, you know, fresh start, whatever, regardless of if you were successful or regardless, if you failed, you know, um, beforehand. So, um, there's a lot of tricks. I mean, like you said, focal point, breathing, um, routines, imagery, self-talk is a big one. Um, Oh, I remember what my point was. See, I told you I would remember. <laughs> um, it was self-talk. It was, um, about, cause you said, you know, how do you turn a negative into a positive? And I think what I try to instill all the time is, instead of thinking of it as negative and positive, be careful, right? Think of it as hurtful and helpful because sometimes like negative self-talk isn't always bad, right? For me, like if a coach came and just ripped me a new one, I played better. And I think it's because it like, I didn't take it as I suck. I took it as motivation. And so you have, again, going back to you, you have to figure out what works best for you. So maybe the negative self-talk, like Maybe what doesn't work for you is if you're like, everything's fine, everything's okay, right? Maybe that makes you play worse Um, or vice versa. Maybe it being really, really negative, like everything sucks. I'm going to suck. Like I'm going to get this guy out. I shouldn't even be on this team. Maybe that doesn't work for you. Like it wouldn't work for most of us. But if you're like kind of yelling at yourself and have that chip on your shoulder and that works for you, use it. Um, But that's the question I would be asking myself is, is what I'm saying to me helping my performance or is it hurting my performance? And if it's blaringly hurting my performance, we need to change something. And, and I think that's what people get like, so caught up in sports psychology. Like it's just, just, be positive out there. And like, I do not say that ever, like ever very rarely. And I'm like, I think you need to be a little more positive. I'm like, okay, you're very real, maybe a little bit pessimistic. Let's try to find a little bit more optimism in there, like a little bit more hope. And, but I think that's so important, right. In, in figuring out what do you need to hear? And then asking yourself is, is what I'm doing is my routine is my reset, is my self-talk, is my goal setting, is this hurting me or is it helping me? And sometimes certain things don't work for you and because they work for somebody else or because they work for whatever, they may not work for you. And I, I, that's why I always say awareness is key to all mental performance, like know thyself. And if you know thyself, all of these questions should be pretty easy to answer. But if you don't know yourself, which comes—it becomes glaringly obvious when they don't, like I don't, I, one, I don't know what I say to myself i don't know if it's helpful or hurtful then we've got some we've got some awareness to build because i'm not a mind reader as much as people think i am and i need you to tell me what what's going on up there and a lot of times you don't know and so it it starts with definitely starts with awareness
0: i think that's uh, such a good point because you know like we had pat bailey on from oregon state a couple weeks ago and his comment we talked about hitters and there isn't one hitter and one person in this world that's the same person Mm -hmm. and i always forget about the as much as we teach hitting every day, the mental game every day. And, you know, for people that are listening to realize that that there's so many different personalities on your roster. I thought that's, that's a good, you got to find out what works for each guy or gal.
1: Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It's the human factor. And, and it's, it's a hundred percent of my job is, is me figuring out the human factor, but also helping the players figure out what is their human factor. Like what genuinely does work for you and what doesn't.
0: Have you had problems getting people to, and if if you had a problem with someone opening up to you about this kind of thing and trying to get them to talk to you about it, what are some of the ways that you can reach the people that are hard to reach?
1: Yeah, um, for sure. You know, not everybody's like, let's talk mental skills, (laughs) you know, and, and that's okay. Um, Just like every, like some people don't like to go in the weight room. Like they just don't like they just dread working out and that's okay too. Um, But we still got to find a way to do it. Um, And so it depends. It depends on, on who the person is and how good my relationship is with them. Um, but I'm always like, my door's open. I know you feel confident about things. I know you feel comfortable with your mental performance as a whole, but if you ever need anything, let me know. If you read an article and want to talk about it, if you read an article and agree with it or disagree with it, like bring it in, let's just have conversations. And, and I don't, I don't force it. Cause like I said earlier, you know, it's like, if I force it, it like they may start to resent me and then they may start to resent mental skills as a whole. And that's my worst nightmare. Like it's okay if we don't click, right. You're not going to click with everybody, but I don't want you to have a bad look on mental performance because eventually you're going to want to invest. And and maybe you ha- already have invested and you really do know yourself well. And I'm just here to kind of help guide along the way and walk next to you. But um, it's it's just to always have that open door and let them know like, we're still going to meet once a month, even if it's a five minute meeting and just a check-in and like, how are you doing? How's the fam? Like, you know, and it's all good. We're good. Um, but maybe it, it, and this happens like one time they'll come in and they'll be like, I'm really glad you're here today. And all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, <laughs> like what? I did not see that, you know? And, and it's like, I'm so thankful. I wasn't just like write that person off, you know? And so I think that's, that's huge is to just always be there. Um, even if it's just in the background and get out of your office, don't be in the office all day. Um, and then I think the second part of that is, by doing good work with other players, it encourages other guys to come talk to you. And all of a sudden, like, this has happened twice, and these are like two of the highlights of my job. It's like, a lot of times guys come into my office and leave the door open, and they're fine. They're like, I don't care who hears this. Like, here, it's what it is, you know? And and so we'll be talking, and like, somebody else will walk by, and they'll kind of hear something. And then the player will be leaving, and they've kind of just been lingering outside. And then they're like, what were you saying to that person? And I'm like, oh, we were just talking about X, Y, Z. And they're like, tell me more. And I'm like, come on in. You know, like they they haven't gotten to that depth of a conversation with me yet because they haven't wanted to do that. But then they almost hear it or they're talking to somebody else and hearing that. And so a big piece of it is just doing your job and, and doing it to the best of your ability. And then word of mouth, not that I like am trying to get recommendations around our organization, but like if one player buys into it, like all of a sudden you've got 15 guys who buy into it. And the same goes for the other way, right? If we break the trust of them or, or something bad happens, right. They're going to tell everybody, it, word travels fast in baseball organizations. So, um, that's, that's, that's huge.
3: You know, Hannah, that, that a lot of that, that's what I like about the game of baseball or, or just sports in general, so much about life, you know, I mean, I have a company own and Got a bunch of guys that work under i mean they're, they're all going to be different you know and, and different things are going to affect them um even and maybe some of their stuff from their personal life comes into work and it affects their job performance you know and it's part of that approach to you know meet with them and and just try to get them on the right track because you want their peak performance there at the workplace too no matter what you know if they're you know putting a assembly a, a piece of equipment together to going out and selling a product. I mean, you want them being confident. And so it's going to ask you what, what are some of the things that coaches can do to help, you know, an athlete overcome a hurdle to get them back to their peak performance? Some of the things, you know, you know, you talk about stress, the unnecessary stresses, you know, and, and some of those things that we as coaches, we, we want all our athletes to excel. You know, you put a guy in the box, you got to, you know, uh, tie your run on second, you got two outs you know it's a tight league game you know or, or maybe a playoff game you, you know you, you want that guy to get it done and so sometimes but as coaches we can put out a lot of unnecessary stresses on our athletes but when we have a, maybe an athlete that you're saying hey man i believe in you and they're in that box and they just you know the fear of themselves overcomes it. i mean what ways can a coach communicate to their their athlete to say hey no, I do believe in you. I mean, you can get this done.
1: Yeah. I mean, my first reaction to that is it's not going to happen if they don't believe it before they step into the box, Um, which is like mental performance is proactive. Right. That, that player has to believe that that coach believes in them before like they even get even close to that situation because all of a sudden they're in the situation, like they're not going to get the warm fuzzies that they've never gotten from that coach before. Right. But again, I think a big piece of that is that player has to find it for themselves and figure that out for themselves. And like, I don't know if all that can rely on the coach, but Mm -hmm. it does. It does fall on them. And so I think if you instill that before, like before the game in, in relationship building workshops and team building workshops and and all that, I think that's where it starts. Um, And then, and then I guess thirdly, in the heat of the moment, right. It's, it's literally just supporting them. Like, don't, don't like just you, you got this. I believe in you. Right. I say this all the time. Like, I don't think, I don't think coaches realize the impact of their words that they actually have on players. Like, I think, you know, they're listening and then like they hear it and whatever, but like when you say something good and not watered down, right. Like all the time, but when you say something good to a player, like they may never forget that that could truly impact their life for the rest of their life. Like, like whether it's an, I believe in you or there's no one else up here we'd rather have than you or and like, genuinely mean it right if that's not authentically who you are then they're gonna be like whatever like get out of my face right but if, if that's who you are and you can weave that into your narrative like i don't think there's anything better so but i but i also believe like a coach can be absolutely perfect and the most supportive person in the world and that player can still be fearful right like you could still do everything right as a coach and that player could still be fearful because at the end of the day it, it is him who has or her who has to decide that mm-hmm. uh and i am fearful and that's okay. It's an intense situation, but here's how I'm going to get through it. Here's what I'm going to say to myself. Here's what I need to hear in order to get through this. I got this. I'm better than him. You know, it can get explicit as you want, but, um, you know, it's, it's really knowing like what, what, do, but I I definitely think ignoring it isn't, isn't the right. Um, and my short answer isn't the right way to handle it. I think again, you have to accept whatever it is you're feeling because mm-hmm. our brains do that. Um, and then you want to figure out the solution that you need to hear in order to make that hurtful thought a helpful thought
3: how important do you think it is part on the coach side of it if they're just real with their players i mean we talked about this on previous podcasts as we talked to coach sheets uh, about a month ago on this and talked about just showing your raw real emotion like hey you know my son's sick at home and and it's not like you have to make this big long you know novel story but you know i mean just getting real i mean I, i think about back in my playing days at Corbin, um, Paul Gale was our head coach. And he, before we played at Northwest Nazarene University, he talked about his accident he had with his oldest son. Um, and he had gotten an accident. He'd been handicapped due to that, but he was talking about the fight that his son took place to get back to where he can be, you know, able to walk and talk and do the things, you know, for most part, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent, but just that you talk about impact, I mean, I'm, you know, 39 years old, and I can still think about that story that morning before our double header against them. And he was showing that raw, and he even got to the point where he had tears coming down his eyes, talking about guys, you guys can do this. If my son can do this, you guys can do it. And it was just super impactful. but
1: Yeah, I I don't think there's a better trait in a coach than to be authentically real, like. Yeah. And, and even if that realness is sad or vulnerable, or like maybe you're more of an angry coach or whatever it is, like if you can be authentically, you, like you're going to build trust with your players. Right. Because nobody can read through BS more than like 16 year old boys. Right. And, and like, cause they're like, I do this all the time. Right. Like that's just what they do. And, and like, that's the reality. And that's great. And that we have to figure out a way to use that as a strength instead of a weakness. So like, by saying, look, I'm not going to pull your leg on this. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. Like, they're like, it may sting at first, right? Again, that whole like short-term hurt, long-term, it's going to be good for you. Like, I'm going to tell you like it is. And um, I was talking to somebody the other day, again, about how, like, what are the most impactful coaches in your life, right? And, and like, the, they immediately went to the ones who weren't. And the number one factor of the ones who weren't were the coaches who BS them. Like, just like, didn't tell them the truth or or let them on to believe something, put them in positions that they didn't talk about, whatever it is, right? Put them in situations that they weren't prepared for. And it was like, it was the coaches who were real and like authentically them and didn't lie to me that I like look back on and appreciate the most. Like even if in the moment they were the worst people, um, they knew they could take a step back and look and like the reason he's being the way he is or she's being the way she is is because they want the best from me and, and they see something that maybe I don't see. But it's so hard. Because in the moment, like you just don't see it. It's, it's like, which I think is a huge piece of life. Like, so often we're in this time where we're like, we don't understand what's going on, and then we look back in five years, two years, ten years, and we're like, oh, like I get it, right? Like when I switched from baseball from basketball to softball, like I was like, what is happening? My whole world's getting rocked right now, and I don't know if I'd be in baseball if I didn't play softball. Like, and it's like, I mean, maybe, but it's like, like, and so I'm I'm a huge believer in everything happens for a reason, but I think along the way, if you have people who aren't lying and who are being authentic and as real as possible, I think that's that's all you can ask for. As human beings, we we yearn for honesty, we yearn for truth, like, especially in a world where we have social media and everything's like blown up and everything looks perfect. It's like, that's not the reality. And so I think it's incredibly refreshing and, and a safe place for people to go if they have somebody who's very real and authentic. So I, I couldn't recommend a coaching skill more than authenticity.
2: I think the other bonus benefit and bonus of that is there comes those times and games and situation where you need that extra gear, you know, it's maybe the fourth game of the weekend or maybe it's training or whatever. And and if you can really be that authentic and have that trust to be able to push them to the ne- that next level, you know, with some energy, with some stuff, like if you have that trust and they see how, how important that is to you in your eyes uh, it's amazing how much better the player performs once they trust that what you're saying is, is actually true and real in that moment, you know, when it's up and down and high and low, you know, you're going to get maybe the half buy-in or the the small buy-in. But um, I, I think for us and our success, it's been a team culture mindset and then pushing each other and understanding the importance of the things that are being said or are truly important. They're not fluff. They're not, not real. Um, so what, when you want that extra little bit of an athlete, you know, train a little harder to do a little more, whatever, they'll know that it's real. It's not just you saying that because you want to push your thumb down You're saying it because it's going to ultimately help them be better and the team, be better in the, in the long run.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the hardest part of that is helping them see the big picture Mm -hmm. and, and not like Mm -hmm. right now. And, and this is hard now. And this conversation is awkward and, and not comfortable and doesn't feel good right now but you're, going, you're like, you'll realize why in a little bit. And I think it's not impossible, but it's really, really, really hard to get that message across to people who are in the heat of the moment, can't see why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but eventually it'll pay off. And, and I am a firm believer in that. So.
3: Hannah, I want to ask you there, um, just kind of give us a couple, maybe um, different mental exercises that you know maybe as a player or a coach can do uh, you know, right now with this COVID stuff, there's not a lot that we can do in, in the sense of play. I know there's guys are out there doing things in some you know counties and things like that. But maybe for some of us that maybe aren't having the opportunity to play right now, uh, maybe some of those things that could keep ourselves from going somewhat crazy and losing those confidence, maybe as you watch other players are doing and they're, you know, it's that world of comparison, right? You know, social media is like, oh, look at me, look what I did. So we go, we go through and scroll. So, what are some of the maybe some of the um, the exercises that some of you know players could do uh, in the sense to help their mental game?
1: Yeah, I think I think right now it's a no-brainer which one is should be at the top of people's list right now. Um, And I've heard it on a couple other podcasts too. But it's it's getting some imagery in, right? Which we like mental reps, like practicing imagery because you physically or most people physically cannot get on the field right now, right? Like you just can't, like you can't go, you can just can't get your workouts in. So the only choice you have is to recreate it or create it in your mind. Like, like even if you're pitching against a fence or against a wall, right? There's guys like doing crazy things to like keep their arms loose or whatever. Um, The only thing you can literally do is get a mental rep in. But the beauty of that is when you do it right, which by right, I mean like, as real as possible, right? Same time as realness. See it through your own eyes. Use all of your senses, right? What do you smell? What do you see? But by doing that, the same neurons are actually firing in your brain as if you were actually out there doing it, right? Like think about that. Like so we can't be out there. Like we just can't. That's not an option right now. So let's try to create it in our mind as much as we possibly can. And it's a very disciplined skill. It takes a lot of time and effort and energy, but so does a baseball game, right? Like you want to be tired after an imagery session. Like you want to be mentally exhausted. Like, because if you aren't, if you just went through it real fast, like go through a whole game in eight minutes, like, no, like you're not going to get the benefits out of it. But like, if you Google or search like imagery, um, research articles, it's insane. The results people get just by visually getting some reps in. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's no greater skill I could, I could say to do than than get some mental reps in because ultimately like that'll keep you in the game that'll keep you confident that'll keep your you a little more sharp and and my selling point on that is have you guys ever had like the falling dream right when you're like dead asleep and you're falling (laughs) right and you wake up like what what are you doing when you wake Uh, up
0: freaking out you like jolt right (laughs) grab the bed like (laughs) ripped out
1: right like all that stuff right why like why are we doing that your body is literally having a physical reaction like right sometimes you're sweating and your heart's racing to what your mind is telling it because your body legitimately thinks you're falling off a cliff, right? Or jumping out of a plane or whatever it is your dream is. Like that is so much evidence right there that your body believes whatever your mind is telling it. Whatever reps you're getting in, if it's video game reps, that's the reps your body's gonna follow, right? Like, and if it's mental reps of baseball or whatever it is that you need to do, right? From presenting in the boardroom to anything, like your body is getting a rep of that. And so if you do that, you will be skyrockets above what other people are going to be when you come back from this quarantine, because nobody's doing that. Very few freaking people are doing that, right? And it's because it's hard. It's not easy to sit down and do it. And so that's that's my number one, what I would tell people to be doing right now, for sure. And that's from a baseball standpoint, from a live standpoint, from from any any type of performance standpoint, that's that's what I would recommend.
2: From the imagery side, what, what do you think... Uh... I can't think on the top of my head, the two, the two different types, but you're the expert here. So you should go with it. <laughs> There's the, the imagery when you're in your own eyes, like seeing uh-huh. the pitch in and going through it. And, and then you have that fan view imagery where someone uh-huh. else is watching you perform it. What mm-hmm. where do you find that is most beneficial? Is it better to try out both aspects for a player? Where do you kind of see those two working together?
1: So I believe it's better to see it through your own eyes. Um, like get in there see the pitcher as you would be seeing the pitcher or see the batter as you would be like coming down the slope right I think it's better through your own eyes but I know studies have shown it's it can a- also be a strength to go to both um, so maybe like get a rep in of like you actually doing it and then do the same rep from like you're watching yourself on tv um, so you get like your inside perspective and an outside perspective like that's very advanced imagery um right there that's a good question but i wouldn't only do tv imagery like like you're watching yourself on tv i don't i mean i think i would do that versus do nothing um mm-hmm. but i would do see it through my own eyes um would be my number one choice but if you can go back and forth like and you like that again like human factor right if, if that's what you like and and you get results from that do it 100 percent but i think it, it's it's better through your own eyes for sure
0: well, as, as we start to wrap this thing up, my last question for you is to the coach that's listening right now who may not have the mental game in their arsenal. They don't teach it. They don't preach it to their players. What's your message to that coach? And if they're wanting to get in get going in this,
1: I'm not going to say my first reaction to that question, Okay. okay. but no, um, <laughs> no. Um, I think like have an open mind because most of the time if people aren't in doing the mental game, it's because you have somebody have a closed mind and like maybe you yourself have never practiced um, mental skills or mental performance. But to some capacity, you absolutely have Um, because that's uh, I've had really cool conversations with guys who have been in, in baseball longer than I've been alive. And, you know, some of them uh, like are, you know, like uh, uh, mental skills. Right. And then we have this conversation. I'm like, you were doing mental skills. Like you just weren't calling it mental skills. And so now we actually have lesson plans and strategies and techniques and things that you can do to strengthen them instead of just like strengthen them by, by trying out in a game and trying things like, so now there's things out there and books out there and and podcasts out there that you can listen to and, and get information from. And so have an open mind and, and, Implement so small, like start so small. Like you don't have to start like with a book and work through the whole book and, and do all the mental skills. Like find one that you're super passionate about and like try it for a whole year. Like, like and I think, I think that's a big piece of mental skills, right? We, sometimes we try to just give too much information when really it's like, instead of being a mile wide and an inch deep, let's be an inch wide and a mile deep in that content. Like let's try one thing and be really freaking good at that one thing. And then we can move on to the next thing. And again, if I was to start my number one thing I would start with, which I do start with is awareness and self-evaluation and starting to know who you are as a coach, if you're listening to this, and then help your players know who they are. And instead of just saying, you're doing this because I said, so like help them know why help them know their strengths, help them know their weaknesses. And that's not even a right. It's not, it could potentially not even be a mental skill. That's just teaching them to be a good self-evaluator. And that's an incredible skill to have in life. Like, if you're a poor self-evaluator, it's going to be a tough life, right? You're always going to be like, "Why am I not getting what I'm getting? Why is this guy doing that?" Like, I'm better, right? They're either going to think they're better than they are, or sometimes worse than they are, right? And so I think, I think that's a phenomenal place to start. So have an open mind and start with awareness for you and the players would be my my starting point. That's a great question. I don't think I've ever gotten that question before.
0: That's what we're all about here. Trying <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> span, right? It's awesome. Well, we, we truly appreciate you taking some time out on your Sunday to join us. And is there any other parting thoughts you want to give to our listeners before we go?
1: Um, I don't think so. Thanks Perfect. for having me guys. This, this was awesome. Really good questions.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you and and thank you for what you're doing for baseball. And I know that if it wasn't for the mental game, life would be hard right now. So I think I think what you do and all your colleagues are doing, I think that's just awesome. And thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. We'll be right back with Kelly and Jason in the bullpen to wrap this up. <laughs> All right, we're back in the bullpen to wrap up another episode of your fungo banter. And, guys, uh, that was awesome. Not a lot of fun. You know, I, I don't think we've had an episode that I haven't enjoyed yet. But uh, thanks to Hannah for coming on and talking the mental game of baseball. I know that all of us are – it's it's something that's in our arsenal and our coaching. And, and you know, I've said – I even sent a tweet out you know, a couple weeks ago when things weren't going good in, in life outside of baseball, right? And, uh, you know, the comment she made about the stresses or – that you worry about and the things that you stress about are the things you can't control. I mean, man, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon. It wasn't a good morning for me working wise, something broke. And here I am stressing about it today Right, you know, and it's affecting some of the things getting ready for this. And when I can't fix it till tomorrow. So it's it's controlling those type of things and controlling the controllables and, and just making sure you're worrying about the right things, the things you can control. And I think, gosh, I know that, the happiest, happy days that you have in your life or days when you have that aspect of things.
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me, the kind of the aha moment that I had was when she talking about positive, negative thought um, and, and talking about is it hurting or helping you at any point in time to, to acknowledge positive, negative whenever it comes up, because it, it's inevitable that negative thoughts are going to come into a mind. It happens on a daily basis for all of us. Um, but, but can you use that to help you and say, whether I, I don't like that, so I'm going to do something different or try to put yourself in a mindset to where, um, you're doing things that are more helpful. Um, I, I think a lot of times we want to ignore things that are bad and, and, and they're not necessarily always the worst thing to happen. And, and it's always, everyone's always saying kumbaya and positive. It's okay to have anger and, and acknowledge, um, some of that negativity that, that exists and, and try to find a way to manage it because it's going to happen in any single avenue in life. And especially in a team aspect, especially at a, from a, you know, amateur team aspect where you have those other uh, stressors in your life of school, girlfriend, family, uh, all those things that exist, you know, if, if you can acknowledge what is hurting and helping you on a daily basis and try to do things that help you more as an individual, get better and separate maybe the stuff that's hurting you Um, you're going to be a better person in the long run. So I thought that was a huge takeaway. um, Something that I'll continue to think about for, for quite some time.
3: Yeah, you guys, you know, one thing I took from it is, is our words, you know, as coaches, you know, all three of us are here. We have a lot of listeners or coaches, but our words have a a huge impact, Uh, both positive and negative kind of spinning off what you were saying there, Kelly, but the fact that, you know, it's an everlasting legacy that we can leave with our kids um, and I think we, sometimes, you know, we can be caught in the moment and we could say something that we could maybe drastically regret, uh, that can affect that kid negatively for the rest of his life. Uh, you know, so there's other aspects that, you know, you say something in a positive, it can drastically affect a kid to the, for the rest of his life. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a taking that time to reflect in the, in the mirror and, and to just look at your agenda, your intentions. Um, You know, I I think I know for both you guys and myself, we we love the aspect of coaching because it's so important to developing, you know, um, community service leaders, you know, and that's the thing is that we ultimately want to be teaching our kids. And so, you know, it it was great to have Hannah. Um, She was spot on with everything she had to say today. And I I hope that a lot of you guys, uh, listeners out there will uh, take that in and, and write a lot of good notes on this stuff. It was solid guys.
0: Absolutely. I think you guys, the uh, coaches out there are listening. You can't think of this as, uh, you know, you, there's people aren't perfect. It's a daily grind and a daily challenge to make sure you can have the right mental process in doing things and preaching to your kids. And don't just do it when things are going tough. Think, do it when things are going right. And, and give them the opportunity to, to have the tools that when, when the shit hits the fan, they're ready for it. So, guys, thank you. Thank you for being here today and, and being a part of this. Please get on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts subscribe rate and review the more you subscribe the more you rate give us it right up some reviews uh, the more this gets blown up so people can see it so there are people in the northwest we want to reach that we haven't reached right now thank you to devo bats thank you to safeguard great sponsors super excited to have them on board and guys until next week take care of one another let's get back to baseball